Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sydney Coach Replay Show. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today I'm super excited. This woman needs no introduction, but I'll introduce her anyway for anyone who doesn't know who she is. This is Allison Burnett. She is our director of our virtual learning. So she runs the Sydney virtual coaching um, services that we have here at Sydney, and I'm super excited to have you on. Welcome, Allison. Thanks, Corey. Um really happy to be with you today. Yes, I'm excited too. Um, and I can't believe we haven't had you on the the live show yet. So I know you were a big part of helping us before we got started, kind of think about what this show will look like and how to do it. And of course, it's your amazing team that we have on the show every Friday. So, um, so yeah, so it's great to have you on the show today. And today we're going to be talking about really kind of focusing in on ourselves as instructional leaders and coaches and how we can, as you say, Allison, sharpen our saw as coaches. And this is going to be the start of a three-part series. So when we kind of talked about this, we really thought that there's three big ideas, three big ways we can do this. And we're going to break those down in each of the episodes that we have you on for. So this week is part one, uh, and then we'll have you back again to, to finish out the series. So Allison, talk to us about this, this idea of, of sharpening our saw and, and the importance of that for us as coaches. Sure, Corey. So the idea of sharpening your saw comes from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which back in the day we all, we all read and, and had to read. And it was um, you know, just a huge impact on my life. But there's a, there's a story in there that Covey, uh, Covey tells uh, and that's where the title of this series comes from, Sharpen Your Saw. But the story is of a man who goes out in the woods to uh, saw down a tree. And he's out in the woods for hours um, sawing. And he's, it's not, he's not making a lot of progress. He's really exhausted. And he comes back to take a break. And he, he's talking to his friend and saying, man, this is really hard work. And I'm really tired. And the friend says, he's, he's, I'm going to take a break. And the friend says, well, take a break. But when you're through with the break, you need to sharpen your saw because the work will go faster. And the man looks at his friend as if uh, in a ridiculous, uh, as if he's ridiculous. And he says, I don't have time to sharpen my saw. I'm too busy sawing. So whenever we were talking about the idea of this three-part series, uh, the idea of sharpening our saw came to mind in that sometimes we're so busy coaching, we don't have time to sharpen our saw. In other words, to look at the, the tools or the strategies or the way we're doing things so that uh, the work will go maybe not faster, but it will be um, better in some regards. So that's what the series is really about in, in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's it's definitely a poignant part, part for us as, as instructional leaders, right? So many of us as coaches may have not been, many of us haven't been formally trained in coaching or that comes a little bit further down the line. We're kind of given this title of a mentor or a coach. Maybe I'm a coach still working in the classroom, um, part-time as a teacher. Maybe I'm a full-time coach. And what does that really mean? But then how do we how do we continue? How do we begin sharpening ourselves? Like what tools are out there for us? We're just now starting to see more and more out there for coaches to start to think about their practice. But we are kind of inundated with the daily task of helping other people improve their practice. And it's hard for us to find time to go back and focus on ourselves. Um, 
So I'm excited about this series because professional development, my own personal professional development has always been a big focus of mine and video has been a big part of that for me. And I know we're going to talk about a couple of ways that simple ways, but this, today's topic is going to be a great one um, to just begin thinking about how we can take a little time each day to sharpen our saw. <laughs> so Allison, tell, tell us how you sharpen your saw. Well, Corey, uh, first of all, I think all three of the, uh, the episodes in this series are really going to be dealing with uh, feedback. And I think as coaches, one of the most important tools that we have is our ability to give effective feedback, feedback for growth. And there's a lot of learning we have to do around that. And, there, and I think we're never done with that. There's that old expression, when you're through learning, you're through. So mm -hmm. as coaches, we really, we've got to continue to, to learn and perfect and refine the way that we offer feedback. You know, Bill Gates said in a recent TED Talk um, that the, there's a group of professionals who really deserve and can learn a great deal from feedback, but rarely get it. And that's, of course, teachers. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the most important tools that we have as coaches is the ability to give feedback for growth. And so the the the, uh, the tool that I want to talk about today and really all three parts of this series are about is, is um, really refining our ability to give feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And, and within the Sydney platform, especially in our coaching huddles, we have this little button called the publish feedback button that kind of gives you when you turn that on, it gives you this uh, draft mode kind of way to go in and make comments on an individual's video or on a video maybe that you've uploaded. But those comments are in draft mode, meaning the coachee can't see them yet. So how do you use that when you're reflecting on your feedback? So the publish feedback button is a great feature on Sydney because, as you said, it's that draft mode. But we could also say it gives us think time because sometimes mm -hmm. as we're watching that video and we're providing that timestamp feedback, we um, in the in the rush of things, um, we may not have provided the very best feedback we can provide to that person in this situation at that time. So having the ability to go back and go back maybe an hour or two later, reflect on the feedback we gave, make sure it's it's right and before we publish the feedback, making it available to the, um, the teacher. So here's what I do with, here's, here's, here's what I do with that is, uh, so not only do I work as a coach, but I'm also an adjunct professor at a local university here in Houston. So I'm working with students who wanna become teachers and they're teaching mini lessons. So whether I'm coaching a, a teacher with years of experience or I'm working with my students who have very little experience but are gung-ho in, in teaching their first mini lessons, um, here's how I uh, I like to use uh, thoughtfully use that publish feedback button, and I use it in conjunction with um, James Clear, uh, his three zones of learning. So what I like to do is this: I like to go in and 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 watch the video, and provide my feedback. And an hour or so later, I like to go back in and look at the feedback I've provided because I'm trying to see. Um, that feedback is formative to me. It tells me a lot about my instruction. It tells me a lot about the coaching that I've done. Uh, and I'll tell you how, how it does that. So I'm looking at my feedback. And if my feedback is all over the moon, everything's wonderful and great. What a great job. It couldn't have been better. Kudos to you. Uh, that's what that's what James Clear would call, hey, I've got that teacher in their zone of uh, automation. 
I've asked them to do something that wasn't a very big stretch for them and that they didn't learn very much from. I mean, it's great, it's great to build confidence by having teachers do things that are in their zone of automation, but it's not a great, it's not great in terms of their learning. So let, let me give you an example. Uh, I'm working with a teacher I'm coaching. She's doing a lot of think pair shares. I say to her, hey, I have an idea. Let's add some structure to your think pair shares. What I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to um, uh, I'd like for you to assign the pairs. You normally let the uh, students select their pairs. I'd like for you to assign the pairs. I'd like for you to start the, the uh, stopwatch um, so that your students know they have, say, 90 seconds total, 45 seconds each. And I'd like for you to help them to decide which, uh, which person in that partnership is going to go first. So I've given that teacher some structure to add to a very simple strategy thing, pair share. And I'm watching the video of that teacher nail it. And I'm flying high, like, oh, my goodness, I did the greatest, greatest coaching ever because this teacher is being so successful with the structure we've added to think, pair share. And then an hour later, when I go back to look at my feedback before I publish it, I'm thinking, gee, there really, really wasn't a lot of learning there. This is something the teacher didn't need to spend a lot of time doing. And so I need to up the game a little bit. This teacher needs to be really working in their zone of adaptation. Now, by the same token, uh, I've, I've also done the opposite. And that is where I've gone in and I'm, I'm watching the video and I'm getting increasingly frustrated because things are not going really well. And um, I'm making my comments and about an hour later after I've unclenched my fist and I can move my jaw again, I go back to look at that feedback and it, it you can tell I was frustrated. And I'm thinking, I'm not frustrated at the teacher, I'm frustrated at myself as the coach because I've, I've asked that teacher to work in their zone of aggravation. In other words, I, I stretched them too far. I stretched them beyond, yeah, beyond their ability to adapt. So, and, and, and what happens as a result is the teacher's frustrated, the students are frustrated, and I'm frustrated with myself because of what I asked that teacher to do. So the, here's the example is the teacher was, um, uh, was, I noticed the teacher was doing a lot of choral shout outs, allowing a lot of choral shout outs whenever reviewing for a quiz. And so I said, you know, I think we need to cut down on the choral shout outs. We can't really formatively assess if we're allowing all the kids to just shout out the answer. We don't know who's right or who's wrong. It feels like a, a Jeopardy game. Whoever's the loudest and fastest, you know, wins. Mm -hmm. let's, let's do this. Let's have you um, tell the students uh, no shout outs, that you're going to call on the respondent. You're going to be very uh, selective and systematic in doing that. If you have 10 questions in your review, you're going to call on 10 different kids. Uh, and you're going to really work work the room, and that way you're going to hear individual voices, and you're going to really know what all students or most students know or don't know, as opposed to whoever's the loudest or the fastest or the quickest in answering your question. So I'm watching the video of uh, of the teacher trying that strategy, and it is not going well uh, because the teacher and is is frustrated because when she asks and she targets and she asks respondents to give her the answer, there's not, a, there's not everybody can answer the question. And it's taking a long time because choral shout outs are very, very fast and you feel very successful because somebody knows the answer. Mm -hmm. So the kids are frustrated because they're not allowed to shout out the answers as they've always been able to do. The teacher's frustrated because it's taking forever to get through this. And she's feeling like, man, I didn't do a great job of teaching this information because 
eight out of the 10 students can't answer my questions. So that's, that teacher was in their zone of aggravation and that's a reflection back to me because I have asked that teacher, I've given them too large of a, a chunk of information. It's kind of like the Goldilocks theory, right? I, right? I don't want the porridge to be too hot. I don't want it to be too cold. I want it to be just right. And that's the zone of adaptation. And then when the teacher's in that zone of adaptation, I know that they're there because I look at my feedback and it's a mixture. There's, there's positive comments, there's questions, there's ideas. Mm -hmm. So it's a good mixture of things to help that teacher. They're not perfect yet. They, they're in their zone of adaptation. They didn't nail it yet, but they're in progress. They're on their way to doing that. And they just need to rehearse a little bit more and receive some encouragement. But I stretch them just enough. Yeah. And that's how you really know you're kind of on the, on the right track. And I think we've all been, we've all done each of these three zones. You know, I, one of the things I have to really keep a close eye on with myself as a coach is <clears throat> even though I feel like this would be great, this would be easy. It's going to be a zone of adaptation I, is what I initially think. My, my initial thought is usually wrong. Sometimes I'm working and, and really it's, I've learned a lot about gauging an individual's, you know, self-efficacy because if they, even though they have the potential and they can pretty easily get there, if they are still feeling overwhelmed and they're just struggling, they're not going to feel like they can do it as easy. And one of my first coaching clients that I ever had kind of ended up telling me that after a couple of zone of aggravation sessions where she said, look, I, I think it's great that you think that I can do all of this. And I, I, I love that about you as my coach, but I need you to slow your roll. Like I can't get from here to there. It, it's overwhelming me. And so um, from that, I've kept that with me for these 10 years now that I've been a coach just because I can be a lot. I like to have my hair really high. I got like to be a little extra and <laughs> I got to keep a tone on that in my coaching. So I love these, the three zones as this kind of perspective uh, or lens to look at how are we, um, fostering the learning? Are, are we stretching, which is what we should do with our coaches, or are we making it a little too easy or overextending? Like there's, I think sometimes with some individuals, especially there's a fine line and we've got to be aware of that and, and start to kind of think a little bit more, more clearly about that. So I love these. And you know, that publish feedback button, right? That's, that's a great way. That was one of the, my favorite things when I first started using Sydney was it really did let me think about, it was this extra step between the scripting of the observation and having the conversation. This is the first wave of the conversation. It happens asynchronously through that text-based feedback on the video. And I could look at it. And most of the time in my first few videos, I had way too many comments in there and I needed to pull a couple of them out because they weren't related to the goal or there was a little aggravation within that and I needed to change it a little bit or I, I was being directive when I could have been more reflective to uh, the directive was the zone of automation for that teacher. I needed to have them start to do a little bit more of the thinking because they were ready. That's how I could stretch them. So yeah. I like that a lot. And another great feature, Corey, now that you mentioned it is, so now we could do this previously on the mobile version, but now on the web version, we can leave those audio comments. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think, um, I think sometimes as I read my comments, I think, hey, if I could, I, now I can give these audio comments. My tone can be 
it can be, it can be, it can't be misconstrued, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's sometimes better when we leave those audio comments in addition to maybe some of those um, typed comments as well. But um, we always want to be certain that uh, we're sharing the right tone. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to pull this up to show show some of our viewers, you know, here's that publish feedback button. So as the coach, I see this whenever I can go in and make as many comments as I want. The coach, you can't see them until I click this big green button. So that's a great way to kind of see those comments start to stack up. Um, and then here's that audio comment button. You just hold that puppy down and it's recording. I use this a lot for, as you kind of mentioned, my um, my teachers who were really start struggling, they needed to, or my, my teachers who maybe overanalyze, like they were going to be looking between the lines when there was nothing between there, but they'd find something. And I'm like, that's not at all how I intended that to be. So I had some, some of my clients who just really need to hear the smile behind my voice, the warmth behind my voice, especially if I've just led them through a zone of aggravation. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's great. And and we'll talk more um, in, in the upcoming episodes about other ways to reflect on our feedback. Um, if if I don't have Sydney, I mean, who doesn't have Sydney? Um, but if I happen to be under a rack, don't have Sydney yet, uh, or I'm not using video, so I'm not doing this type of text-based comments. I'm going straight from live observation and scripting to a live conversation. Um, how do how would you propose that people could still do this and reflect in this way? Well, um, Corey, it all goes back to having that yellow legal pad uh, where you're where you're scripting those comments. And I think what happens is you're observing that teacher and you're you're jotting down the feedback that you want to be sure you share with them. And I think that hopefully there's a nanosecond between when you've jotted those comments down and when you're actually going to have that chance to talk to the teacher where you can start taking a look at those comments. Where are these comments in the in the three zones of learning or mm -hmm. um, or if you're Goldilocks in terms of your porridge, like um, are they uh, are most is most of my feed feedback automation very positive is most of my feedback aggravation suggestions, like serious suggestions for change? Mm -hmm. Or am I just right? You know, just just right. I'm in that zone of adaptation. I have a good blend of feedback. I think you can make that assessment, even if you're not using video in real time in that classroom before you start to talk to the teacher. And then, you know, that informs your next move. It's so it's so formative to you as the coach, because if if I am in that zone of aggravation, I know I need to I need to pull back a little bit. I haven't, there's something I haven't done well enough with that teacher. Maybe I didn't model what I wanted them to do well enough. Maybe I didn't explain it well enough. Maybe I gave them too much to change or the change was too hard for them, mm -hmm. as was the case with the, uh, the teacher who was, I asked to take away the choral shout outs. Yeah. 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 It's, it's all definitely uh, my favorite thing about coaching is how individualized it is and how much of it, it really is. It's gotta be a partnership because you're both kind of in this together. So, um, you know, I, James clear, we've talked about it a couple of times. That's where those three zones come from. He's got a book called the atomic habits. It's one of my favorite books. Um, I'm not done reading it yet, but this has some good, when we're talking about, you know, making those changes and you need to break it down. He's got some really great ideas for how we begin to break down some of the things that are much more habitual for us. Um, and uh, just to, to share, Kelly Pittman is watching us live now, one of our virtual coaches. And she said, yes, that audio feature definitely helps with tone. So thanks for, thanks for watching us, Kelly. 
All right, Allison. Well, this was a great episode. I think it's a great reminder for us to, and a great perspective for us to look through within those three zones. Um, and I'm excited for the rest of the episodes in this series. Thanks very much, Corey. All right, y'all. Tune in next week for another episode of the Sydney Coach Replay Show.